Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Welcome to this bonus edition of Truly the Goats. In episode 6 of Truth of the Goats, we had on his guest David Heim, a sports journalist born and raised in Chicago and now based in Germany, to talk about The Last Dance, ESPN's attention-grabbing miniseries on the great Chicago Bulls teams of the 1990s. Dave was also my co-host on the European basketball-centric podcast Taking the Charge, a show which included Dave and I playing at Siskel and Ebert in reviewing movies at the end of each episode. Well... The Last Dance has now finished its first run on TV in America, Europe, and elsewhere, and I recently got a chance to check out the classic movie Space Jam, starring Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny, an imminently rewatchable and very funny movie, which, in my opinion, is a critical chapter in the story of Michael Jordan. So, in this bonus edition of Truth of the Goats, Dave Hine and I, Boss Davis, discuss Space Jam in a recording from a 2013 episode of Taking the Charge. The conversation remains more or less intact with a few samples added and some sound editing. Enjoy our review, and go ahead and rewatch Space Jam sometime. It's truly a goat, quasi-autobiographical cartoon science fiction basketball movie, based on true events even. Movie of the week time. Oh boy, am I excited! Yeah, um, you know what? I'm not sure if I had actually totally seen this before. Um, I, you I, said you had not, Dave. I had seen parts of it. I had seen bits and pieces of it. It was before. everybody has seen bits and pieces. But, yeah, and so the, yeah. now I I delved into it, yes. if you will. Now his sin has been expunged. The uh, sin that I'm referring to is the lack of having viewed Space Jam. Space Jam in uh, 1996. Film. All right, uh, Oz, Oz, go for the synopsis. Yeah, man, I, I want to get into this. This is a 1996 film starring Michael Jordan and some other NBA players, about which we will speak very much, I'm sure, considering that one of them is Charles Barkley. And the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes characters, spearheaded, of course, by Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. This is a film about which we can say absolutely nothing negative. It is awesome in every respect on many levels. Let me begin with this one. I'll hit you with a very interesting fact here. The film is directed by Joe Pitka, who I believe directed no other major motion pictures. He made he mainly came to fame uh, through music videos, uh, a lot of Michael Jackson stuff, especially. Um, however, however, Mr. Mr. Pitka is in fact the creator of the most famous public service announcement of all time. This is the guy who created... Okay, last time, this is your brain. This is drugs. 
This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? We'll just begin at how awesome this movie is with that little factoid. The for, for, the, for those of you who don't know, just put YouTube, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. And mm. Yes, please. For, for any people who are or, not... Or if, you, or if you just want to see it again. <laughs> oh, yes. For any... And be reminded of the awesomeness of your brain on drugs with a side of bacon. I mean, we talked earlier, we talked earlier about memes. This thing was generating memes in the 80s. Okay, this thing was generating memes in the Reagan era in America. Um, I, I had a t-shirt. Oh, yes. T-shirts, posters. I mean, um, just jokes, you know, just uh, stuff that you would draw in in high school and, you know, show it to your friends and laugh about it. I mean, seriously, this thing, there are millions of variations on this PSA. Well worth researching uh, for all the young folks who are not Americans. Very funny phenomenon in American culture. This is your brain on drugs. Look that up on Wikipedia, look that up on YouTube, and, and you will get the fever. In any case, Space Jam itself, how can we say this? It's almost as though it's a biography film mm-hmm. of yeah. Michael Jordan, yeah. but yet he's a superhero. So, so, it, so it's almost like um, Superman, the motion picture, a, a biographical film of a, of a near fictional character called Michael Jordan. It begins in that period in the mid 1990s when Michael Jordan was famously hitting about 205 for the double A Birmingham Barons. For those who don't know baseball, that's a pretty low level baseball team. Uh, he had resigned from basketball a few months previously and publicly stated that um, you know, it was the dream of his father that uh, someday he he go out and, and play, you know, his favorite game, baseball, on the highest level. Uh, it begins there. And through a, through a complicated series of events, uh, a bunch of evil, or let's say malevolent, because they're not really evil, they're a bit too cute to be evil, a bunch of uh, malevolent aliens uh, seek to take back our heroes, the Looney Tunes, to an evil amusement park planet called Moron Mountain in a not-so-subtle dig at Walt Disney, yet still funny. It involves these guys trying to take the cartoon characters back. The Looney Tunes characters convince the, or offer a wager, we could even say, to, to the alien nerd lux uh, that they play a game of basketball. The Nerdluck's response, of course, is to steal the talents of how many? One, two, three. Yeah, five uh, NBA stars, quote unquote stars. A couple of them legitimate, a couple through the perspective of history, not so legitimate. Just, uh, just, all... freak, just freaks. Sorry? Just freaks. A couple of them. Uh, well, no. I mean, I mean, you have dream teamers Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing. Yeah, but I mean, uh-huh. you had you had the shortest and tallest guy in the uh, right. In the yeah, the shortest and tallest guy in the NBA, and among you know the shortest and tallest ever to play in the NBA, really, uh, Muggsy Bogues and uh, Sean Bradley. Wow, Sean Bradley <laughs> and Larry Johnson, who for a few years in Charlotte was quite brilliant, but um, ultimately suffered some injuries and his career was cut way too short. The the aliens in a sort of 
in something that would be familiar for those of you who have seen Thunderstruck, who were lucky enough to see the Durant movie of last year, they sap the talents of these five unfortunate NBA stars and thus become amazing basketball players. The response of the Looney Tunes is to find, of course, the best basketball player alive, and that is Michael Jordan, despite the fact that he's mostly playing baseball and golf. The line that perhaps kicks everything off is the exchange between the memorable exchange between Bugs and Michael. What's going on here? Why, Michael? I thought you'd never ask. You see, these aliens come from outer space and they want to make us slaves in their theme park. Eh, what do we care? They're little, so we challenge them to a basketball game. But then they show up and they ain't so little. They're huge! We need to beat these guys, because they're talking about slavery. They're going to make us do stand-up comedy. The same jokes every night for all eternity. We're going to be locked up like wild animals and then trotted out to perform for a bunch of lowbrow, bug-eyed, fat-headed, humor-challenged aliens. Eh, what I'm trying to say is... We need your help! Yeah, but I'm a baseball player now. Right. And I'm a Shakespearean actor. Um, and the movie thus goes from there. Michael finds his way and rewrites his personal history by saying the main reason why he came back to basketball is because he was inspired by the Looney Tunes and incidentally saved the universe in the process, or at least the Earth or at least the cartoon industry of Earth in the process. Unlike Thunderstruck, this movie displays a great amount of, of good humor, uh, street-savvy, ironic humor of, of that very particular 1990s breed. Both the main character, Michael Jordan, of course, is imminently watchable, as well as the supporting characters. Hey, they got Charles Barkley. Hey, they got that guy from Seinfeld. Mr. Jordan, I'm, I'm the Baron's new publicist. Hello, Newman. Yeah. Newman, <laughs> Newman is in the movie, for all you Seinfeld fans, so it'll be worth seeing just for that, for you folks. And the cartoon characters are also fantastic. Film fans may note that uh, this is still the only full-length movie that the Looney Tunes have done. And, of course, it's all the more reason to demand, or at least request, Space Jam 2, which really needs to be made, or at least, you know, the rebooted Space Jam. Uh, if you must go that route, I think Space Jam 2 would be better. With, if, with of course, LeBron. Yeah, you'd probably have to go LeBron. I think he's, he's friendlier than the obvious second choice, which is Kobe. Uh, I, th I think he's, he's, he's got, you know, more of that friendly attitude. Um, I don't know if he can act. Uh, Kobe, I don't think can act. Although... Kobe can play himself, as we saw in the approximately 14-hour-long uh, Spike Lee movie, Kobe Doing Work. Mm -hmm. So yeah. perhaps that might work, although we saw Kevin Durant trying to play himself and failing miserably in Thunderstruck. I should say this as well, that you, know, you compare the acting performances of, let's say, a Michael Jordan in this movie against, say, a Kevin Durant in that movie, and, you know, Pretty much just like comparing their skills. I mean, Michael wipes the floor with uh, Durant. Uh, yeah. Proves that he's, if not the greatest of all time, certainly better than any, uh, than any contemporary NBA actor, quote unquote. This would be a serious PR coup for LeBron James. I mean, here's a guy whose who's stated mission in life is to become the first billion dollar 
basketball player. Okay, if he took a percentage of the gross, how much money do you think he could make? Hell, uh, I recall this deal. Jack Nicholson, when he did the old, old Tim Burton Batman movie, managed to negotiate, okay, because they knew he was the only guy to play this, managed to negotiate a percentage of all income from this movie, okay? Still, you buy a toy based on that movie. Jack Nicholson is getting, like, some money off of that. And it was estimated that in the first three years of this deal, he had made something like $200 million. How much could LeBron make from Space Jam 2? Of course, I believe Looney Tunes would be all over it. I mean, here they are, and they created this character for this movie, this Lola Bunny. And I don't believe they've used her in any major way since. Uh, she has done some of the TV shows uh, that they've had through the years, but never in a serious starring role uh, like they had played her up to be in this movie. You know, so I guess she's the Boba Fett of this movie. Uh, <laughs> Space Jump. I mean, but, but seriously, I honestly believe that we can talk about Space Jam in the same class as Star Wars or other important films. I believe that this is one of the top 90s zeitgeist films. Uh, this, this is one of, if you, if you want to make a collection of movies that tell you what the 90s was about, this is the movie. I mean, you, you, it's a guy that was arguably the most famous man in the world, especially after the Dream Team and Michael uh, and Larry and Magic retired. Uh, here's a guy who's maybe the most famous man in the world, creating his own legend, creating his own myth. There are a zillion examples in this movie. Uh, one thing I would say is you notice that Nike is not involved in this movie at all to which he was so connected through his whole career and still is to this day, is not even in this movie. The sneakers that he's wearing are clearly not Nikes, and they make a point of that. Unlike the Kevin Durant thing, which incidentally ends with the credits rolling over a commercial for Durant's new shoe. In fact, four yeah, commercials right. for Durant's new shoe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in any case, a, a good example of this Jordan recreating the myth is the very beginning. I mean, basically, okay, you get the sentimental Spielberg-like, you know, father and son playing basketball kind of scene, the Ron Howard scene at the very beginning. But pretty much the next scene, pretty much the first scene in the movie is Michael Jordan retiring. And, you know, it's a big press conference. There's like hundreds of journalists there or whatnot. It looks real. But then Jordan comes out and he goes, I just feel at this particular time that I reached the uh, pinnacle of my basketball career and I must retire. The one good thing that comes out of this is that my father had the opportunity to see me play my last basketball game, and you know, that means a lot to me. What are you going to do now? Well, I've never really told anybody this, except for one person, and, uh, but I think I'm going to go and play professional baseball. You know, as opposed to how this really went down. And if you see the uh, documentary about ostensibly this time period of his life, uh, Jordan rides the bus, part of the original 30 for 30 series. Which is also linked on the, on the, on the, on the page. We, I, I add, I put that one up there. So. Okay, good, good, good. You should, that's, that's, that's more or less a, a more serious companion piece to that, yeah. to, to this film. Uh, if you watch that film, uh, or if you were there, you remember he told this, or this got to folks like, Reinsdorf, Terry Reinsdorf, the owner of the club, and Phil Jackson, you know, the legendary coach of the club, 
Uh, this was getting to them 24, 48 hours before he announced it. And, you, you know, again, he's coming off the three peak. He is the greatest player in the world. He is possibly the most famous man in the world. Combine this with the fact that his father was killed in the intervening period between the championship and, and his shock retirement in October of that year. Uh, his father had been killed. Now, naturally, this is a comedy movie, so that heavy bit is glossed over. But the, but the funny thing is, is that, uh, or the interesting thing is, in real life, this was a shocker. Yeah. Yeah, People sure. were blown away. The reaction from the press at that, at that original press conference was akin to that press conference when the LAPD officer came out and said, yeah, O.J. Simpson did not come into the police department and, and give himself up like he said he would. Uh, it was that same reaction. It was like this, oh, you know, it was like this gasping, oh, my God, you know, kind of sound by, you know, 150, 200 people, you know, that aren't supposed to make this sound because they're professionals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, here's Michael recouching all this controversy in this, you know, everyday kind of thing. And, and you know, he's so good that he can do this and, and, and yeah, it's just, we believe it and we're all for it. And none, none of that conspiracy whispering about how his father was killed for gambling debts or whatever, you know, this loony, I mean, I'm a conspiracist and I don't even buy that stuff. That's how far out I consider that. And then, but, but what's funny is this, we go into Michael's career in the minor leagues and to his credit, Jordan plays it exactly the way it was i.e. he sucked, you know, or at least he really wasn't very good in the minor leagues. I really appreciated that about this movie. Here's the potential for Jordan to, to gloss over that as well, you know, to show the three or four home runs he did hit, you know, to show the five or six game-winning RBIs he did produce. He could have done that. Yeah, he could have. But instead, he chose to play up those funnier aspects of him playing in the minor league, like the catcher telling him which pitch is next, yeah. <laughs> which reportedly is based on a true story. Yeah, this actually happened to him once. Um, you know, signing basketballs before the game. And so, you know, this stuff really happened. And, and so, you know, you like that. You like that about the movie. And like I say, the whole thing is just done in this charming, humorous way. You know, it's really a good script here. And it's amazing to consider that this is a good script because a lot of it was written on the fly. For example, towards the end of the movie, Bill Murray, who is a hero of anybody who watches movies, honestly, he's great at everything. Bill Murray enters the climactic game. This is why I was born. I thrive on pressure. And Daffy Duck says... Excuse me. Uh, sorry. Yo, yo, easy on the trousers, Daffy. Easy, man. Pardon me. Uh, Mr. Murray, uh, something's really been bugging me. Yeah? Just how did you get here, anyway? And he says... Producer's a friend of mine. Just had a teamster come and drop me off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's how it goes. This could be what happened. <laughs> we do know that Ivan Reitman was writing this, uh, was putting the finishing touches on the script. And we do know that he called up Bill Murray and said, hey, I could write you into this thing. You want to go play golf with Larry Bird and Michael Jordan a little bit on, you know, some of the best courses in California? I mean, literally, that's what happened. And then he had to go into the blue room for about a day or two and shoot some shots with Michael Jordan and so they could 
CGI in or paint in, whatever they did in those days, the Looney Tunes guys. So he worked on this film for about a week, week and a half, and half the time he was playing golf, you know, with Larry Bird. Not too bad a job, but... That's tough. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you get that, uh, in the movie, you get that self-referentialism, that irony that was so prevalent in 90s movies and is completely dead nowadays. And I don't suggest necessarily that we could bring it back. I don't want to be one of these old guys. However, we could use a little bit more of that in some films. These daunted films like the Dark Knight series or M. Night Shyamalan's films, his earlier films, these are touted as wonderful films and they're 100% without irony. Even though, like, the silliness of a man dressing up in, like, latex and tights and, and like, jumping off of cords and, like, punching out bad guys. Well, you know, what, what would be a movie nowadays, let's say in the last five years, last couple of years, whatever, that would, would fit into that, in your opinion? Okay, I know The Expendables. Have you seen this one? Is that... Um, Bruce yeah. Willis and Stallone. And Stallone, yeah. Are the spearheads. But it's basically, like, everyone, except for Chuck Norris, of those old 80s and 90s action guys. You even get Arnold, and he makes an ironic, self-referential appearance as this guy who's like the governor now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, but guess what? It's all the guys from those times. Yeah, yeah. It's, all those, it's all the guys from those times when they said, hey, look, we're doing a silly action movie. I might be starring against Dennis Rodman in my next film. You know, I'm going to do this seriously? I mean, come on. Okay. But Space Jam is not unintentionally hilarious. Space Jam is hilarious. Yeah, wouldn't you agree, Dave? Who until last week had not seen this film? Yeah, I, you know, I was impressed with with uh, especially have, after having seen Durant's acting, quote acting. Yes. But you know, okay, we we are trying to figure out exactly when this was recorded. If it was done ninety five or ninety six, it was it but was released. Even if it was even if it was done in ninety five, one thing that yeah. you have to realize though is that Jordan had then, if it was 95, he had had 10 years of Nike commercials by that point. Yes. So he had had some acting in his background. So that that was was with Spike Lee. He had already worked with Spike Lee. Yo, Mars Blackman here with my main man, Michael Jordan. Yo, Mike, what makes you the best player in the universe? Is it the vicious stunts? No, Mars. Is it the haircut? No, Mars. Is it the shoes? No, Mars. Is it the extra long shorts? No, Mars. Is the shoes it, right? Nah. Is it the short socks? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. What about the shoes? No, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. Exactly. He had 10 years of, of Nike commercials behind him, so he had some acting experience, and that's one thing, obviously, that was clear uh, that, that Durant didn't have, but, you know, that... But still, well, yeah. he's also got he's also got gobs of charisma, maybe not as much as Charles Barkley, yeah. but, you know, more than Kevin Durant, much more than I mean, I mean, unfortunately, Kevin Durant, if you're speaking in terms of reputation and PR and movies and stuff like this, unfortunately, he's been he's been pigeonholed into that nice guy part. He even does ironic TV commercials where, you know, they say this, he's the nicest guy in the NBA. Yeah. You know, that's where that's his role now. And unfortunately, that guy's not very interesting. Now, now Jordan is just, you know, he's got the million dollar smile. You know, he's got the, the history behind him. The opening credits are a role of his dunks 
and great plays and headlines. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, this guy is just like, like I said, at this time, he was the most famous person in the world. And I, and I think that fuels you. I think as a celebrity, that that makes you even more, or it can drive you to, to be even better. And, and I'm sorry, Durant is just not, Durant is just not the most famous person in the world. He's he's not in that discussion. It was great because I, you know, I, I was a huge obviously also a huge Jordan fan and then also I I, I was a big uh, Looney Tunes fan as well as as a child so kind of getting them to see getting to see that was also fun and, and the, the music's great uh, you know they recorded a couple of new songs for that you know there's the hit them high hit them high song and uh, you know, oh, yeah, Seal, Seal, Seal does his uh, Fly Like an Eagle. and The soundtrack is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, and then uh, there's obviously also, I Believe I Can Fly as well. You know. And there's actually a rap song on the soundtrack that did not make the movie. I believe that it's included on some editions of the DVD, the video, where the nerd lucks become LL Cool J and Be Real of Cypress Hill and, you know, some other heavy hitters. Uh, that's a great song as well. Also on the soundtrack, killer soundtrack, especially, you know, if you're into that 90s hip hop sound, uh, it's all over the soundtrack. Great, great soundtrack. Yeah. So just a, a really great film. And I was glad that uh, finally did get a chance to uh, to see it and you know anything about Jordan. And it is very bio, you know, biographical about Jordan, you know, and, and, and then, you know, yeah, kind of kind of it's it, again, it's not so much biography as controlling that image. Yeah. You know, yeah not sure, like, sure. Put it that way. Michael Jordan, the real person, that movie will be made that that movie where, you know, it shows like what a competitive jerk he was most of his life and how it affected his personal relationships. Well, I mean, but, this was but, in the mid, this was, you know, basically we figured that it's after he, I mean, it definitely was released after he won the first of the second three, three, three Pete. Yeah. The first of his trilogies. And, and what it is, is it's awesome. It's, it's a grab at, you know, controlling his own image. Yeah. You notice, okay, there's no Nike in the film. Let me ask you this Dave, because I paid attention to this stuff. How, Often, do you hear the expression NBA in this film? <laughs> I don't know. You're bringing, on, you're bringing on, in this film, we should say that in addition to Michael Jordan and the five players who are victimized by the aliens, there's a good two dozen yeah. other players in here, including Vlade Divac. Woohoo! Um, and uh, a lot of uh, who's who. Of players in the game at that time. I don't know. I don't um, know if they if they uh, said we need the best NBA players or not. I can't. I don't know. Nope. Um, how many times? They say NBA in the movie twice. NBA twice. Okay. It happens both times in the last like 15, 20 minutes, and it's both in the in in color commentary. Don't mention Nike. Don't mention NBA. Mm -hmm. The thing is, here's Michael, whose reputation, whose standing or whatever, whose whose presence as a celebrity or whatever you want to call it, is so big that he can squeeze out the NBA, that he can put himself up there with a cartoon mega franchise that's almost a century old, you know, Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, as opposed to, again, something like Thunderstruck, where, you know, it's explicitly about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. You know, it's explicitly about the NBA. Yeah. You know, this film is explicitly about Michael Jordan, and it's also extremely funny. <laughs> it is. Go check it out. You want to have anything else on that one or no? If you haven't seen it before, see it. 
Kill this me. is the next film you should watch. Go check it out. If you if you have seen it before, see it again. You will be surprised. I go back to this film every every year or two, and, and every time I see it, I'm surprised at how good it is. And one of the other things I wanted to say, speaking of which, the the rewatchability of this film. I was talking with Dave about this before we recorded this podcast. When you're watching the actual climactic game with Jordan and Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a bunch of and a bunch of Looney Tunes against these these cartoon aliens. What happens at that point is Warner Brothers breaks out all the old gangs. They mix in a couple of new ones. You get the reference to the Matrix, you get the reference to Pulp Fiction, but they break out all the old gangs. And, and I'm, I'm not going to sit sit here and list them for you. You'll recognize them when you see them. And in that respect, it reminded me more than anything of going to go see a Harlem Globetrotters game. Mm-hmm. You know, you go as a basketball fan, especially one growing up in the 80s when they were so huge, uh, much more of a cultural force than they are today. You go you go see a game every couple of years and, and you laugh and it's funny, but you're, you're watching the same stuff that they've done for 40 or 50 years and you forget. You forget all the routines. In that seven or eight minutes of screen time, they break out all the reasons why you love these characters so much, why they have become iconic in America and really the world. We have Bugs Bunny in Hungary. We call him Topshi Hopshi, which is, which is roughly a bunny guy in Hungarian, but he's all over the world. You know, th- these are guys on the Mickey Mouse level. And, and it is also wonderful for that. We can talk about how this is a film about Michael Jordan. We can talk about how it's a cartoon film or the technology or even this is your brain on drugs. But ultimately, look, the thing is, this is a great movie. I don't think you have to love basketball. I don't think you have to get the baseball stuff at all. I don't don't think you have to understand the particulars. I think that it's a funny story delivered excellently and just directed well. And plus, you know, again, you got Bill Murray and Charles Barkley. These two guys make anything they're in better, period. It's just a great movie. And, and I'm surprised that it's not more well thought of nowadays. And I'm also surprised that um, they haven't done the remake of the reboot with, so, with, with the entire industry just cranking this stuff out like cheese whiz. Everything is a reboot or a remake, or at the very least an adaptation. Why haven't they redone this? It's almost a good thing that Team USA is not going to play this summer, because now maybe maybe LeBron and Dwayne and Kobe and those guys will shoot this thing. Uh, I really think it's time. Yeah, it would be it'd be uh, interesting to see what kind of you know play on on different stuff that that uh, that Le, Le, LeBron would do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously he would be the star. You know, you know the whole Cleveland thing and all that other stuff. You know, maybe he's waiting before he goes back to Cleveland before he returns to the Cavaliers. Yeah, and then after and instead he, and then, of the baseball thing, he went you to have, play for the Heat. I'm gonna take my talents to South Beach. Exactly. Play, <laughs> and, and then, and then this so whole he, you know I want to be a bad guy thing. You know, that's the right. stuff that will be. Now, okay. now, now he's becoming a good guy. You know, he does. You know, he does. He he laughs himself with the Harlem Shake. Of course, we got to bring it back to the Harlem Shake. Right. You know, laughs at himself with the Harlem Shake. You know, and. You know, he's even said it in you know, interviews all over, you know, after the title last year, you know, I just want to enjoy the game now, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And now he's being a lot. He's being connected more and more to uh, to Cleveland. You know, so see, see, it would be fantastic. Okay, so you start this after he becomes a free agent. Right? He's very conflicted about where he's going to go. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and then because he's the, a home, because he's, he's a homie. You know, he he likes. You know, he he does identify himself. He still has the house, I think, in Akron. Akron, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. He he can even be hanging out in Akron as it starts, and then you get um, you get Danny DeVito. Who is the alien ringleader? Is the alien boss uh, who we last saw beamed out to the moon or whatever? Um, he comes back, and his evil plan is to take over Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got to write all this down and then just send the script in. <laughs> and then you know, Anderson Barrio and all those guys lose their talent, and they need they need LeBron to sign with Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so he signs with Cleveland, and then they and then they pick up you know Bugs and Daffy on free agency. You can even have Bill Murray come back as himself. Exactly. <laughs> In the Larry Bird role, you could have Shaquille O'Neal. Absolutely, absolutely. And or then, Bo and, Jackson. And then and then uh, and then Jordan just you know says something like you know Kobe's still better, whatever. Oh man, oh man. No, it'd be like they'd be practicing. Oh, and then and then you hear this voice. And 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 it's Kobe. Uh, Kobe would have done better. You need you need one more player, right? And <laughs> yeah. the camera pans over, and it's Jordan. And it's Jordan. There you go. And LeBron says, and "It's Le- not Bill Murray. It's Jordan." No. And 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 then LeBron says, "Oh, come on, you're gonna play. You're too old." And he's like, "No, I don't mean me. I mean him." And then the camera pans over to Kobe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Kobe and LeBron have to find a way to overcome their differences. Yeah. And work together as a team to save Cleveland and the universe. Yeah. And and the Looney Tunes. From becoming uh Nerdlucks. Yeah, like he's and gonna he... turn all of Cleveland into Nerdlucks. <laughs> if they don't win this game. Yeah. And of course Charles Charles Barkley can play himself. So if anybody and Shaq as well. Oh yeah, well Shaq is gonna be in the Larry Bird role. Yeah. So if anybody is out there listening to this that has connection to the you know, go ahead just Go and give it to him. We just want to see it. Yeah, you you could give me a credit, like like you know, inspire or thanks to thanks to yeah, us. That that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, thanks to taking the charge. <laughs> and 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 the, and just listen to the show because it will develop. You know, I'm sure we're not done talking about this film. So this this uh, Space Jam two. So someday. Yeah. Um. All right. On that uh, on that note, I think uh, let's call it a uh, let's call it a wrap. This has been a special edition of True the Goats, an inclusive medium production. I'd like to thank David Hine for recording this episode with me seven years ago. Extra material, show notes, blog posts, and other related stuff on the greatest of all time are available on our website at trulythegoats.com. On Facebook and Twitter, find us at trulythegoats. For more inclusive medium podcasts and video productions, visit us at inclusivemedium.com. I'm Lawrence Davis, thanking you for listening to the True of the Goats podcast. And everybody, stay healthy.
That's all, folks. That's my line. Step aside, babe. Let a star do this. That's all! That's all, folks! Can I go home now? Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history, but as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment, you know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.